I am so excited about this, and I love to listen to your podcast. So thank you so much. What a, what a treat! I just love to see what God is doing. Before we get started, I want to say thank you to all of those who have donated to this channel. If you don't know, you can go to faithandfailures.com, sign up for our newsletter. You can get weekly updates on our weekly blogs, new episodes that come out, and discounts and new items that show up in our merch store. Also, if you're a part of Facebook, we also have a Facebook group. It is called Faith and Failures, just like the podcast, where over 200 people are talking about real topics, their daily struggles, questions about God, real things that we struggle with that we don't always get the chance to talk about in church. So if you get a chance, go check it out. All right, let's get started. Do you pronounce your last name Crav? Crav? We say Crafty. Crafty? And I I was trying to say Crave because it's... Scandinavian, you know, but yeah. I can't remember to say it that way. But I guess when they came over on the boat, they switched to crafty. Crafty, okay. And it sounds like everybody says anything but crappy. And then my <laughs> my husband always laughs. I guess he heard that his whole childhood. <laughs> really, if I had known that when I married him, I would have switched to crafty right then. Right. <laughs> but anyway, especially having a radio show. But God has his way of keeping us humble. So there you have it. Absolutely. If you will, tell the people where they can find you and how they can get a hold of you, where your blog is, your website, all these things, your podcast. Thank you, Stephen. I just want to say, even before I tell people about me, I just want to say, I love what you're doing. And and I'm so proud of you and just so happy. I don't know how much of that pre-conversation will be on your recording, but I just want you to know I love what you're doing. I love the way you're inviting people to search for the truth together and you're not making it judgmental or divisive, but just uniting people around the truth. And in one of your podcasts, I heard you say, God is not afraid of hard questions and that you'll just try to help each other figure it out. And so that was very appealing to me. So I loved your bearded cactus podcast. I thought that was so funny. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I didn't even know that bearded cactus was a real thing. I was searching for you and I found that and I clicked on it and it showed me all these pictures of cactuses with fur. Yeah. (laughs) So that was hilarious in itself. So if if you're listening and you want to find Stephen's uh, hilarious podcast with his dear friend Julian, then look up bearded bearded cactus, but put podcast after it. Otherwise you'll get a science lesson. (laughs) Yeah. And then faith and failures. And and I just wanted to say, if you're interested in, in Steven's story, I loved listening to meth head to minister. That was a great episode. So I just, I just thought I'd mention those because you're doing such a good job. It just makes me so honored that you invited me to be a guest on your show. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You're welcome, but I'm not going to miss a chance to tell people where to find us. So we we call our family Camp Crafty, K-R-A-F is in Frank, V is in Victor, E is in Edward. And people think it's a place, like I get I get requests sometimes, when can we come to camp? But that's just our, this is what we call our family because we, we live kind of a, 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 I'll say a vivacious lifestyle. Like it was nothing when my children were young. I, I'm a grown up old person now and my kids are all in their mid thirties. But um, when they were little, we would have puppies coming through the house with muddy paws and we had paint. And I mean, I have furniture that still has cat paws with yellow paws where the cat got in the paint first and then the little kid, you know, we had a new litter of kittens and so they found their way into the paint and then decorated the furniture for us. So 
we always called our family Camp Crafty. And then when we decided we were going to do this positive messaging, we just felt like people live in so much fear now and, and there's so much falseness out there. We just wanted to give people another perspective. And so we, we decided to call that whole effort Camp Crafty. And you can find us, my people that were smarter about social media than me, they said, you've got to use your name. So my <laughs> name is, is Kathy, C-A-T-H-Y. And last name is K-R-A-F is in Frank, V is in Victor, E is in Edward.com. And that's where you can find the blog we do every week. And then we also do podcasts every week. So we interview new people all the time. And I, I, most of what I do, we have two, two books and a third one on the way. We've got two books coming out this year and a third one we're, we're showing to publishers right now with my daughter. But so our, podcast is called fireside talk radio kind of keeping that whole camping yeah. family kind of theme together but what i was going to tell you Stephen, that uh all this is accidental i'm way too old to be doing this i mean i'm supposed to be <laughs> retiring right i'm in my 60s and we just started this because i the reason we started is i have this long story which i'll share any part of that that you want to talk about and you know a lot of it so you can ask but the main thing was my husband and i struggled we loved each other so much but our marriage was just not functioning properly mm -hmm. and i'm a communications major i mean it's my specialty of all these skills now that i didn't have back then and so one of the things that we wanted to do was put out as much information as we could about have to, how to have great conversations so that you're not arguing, yeah. especially when you get smart people like us that are real intense and we both have an opinion and it's not the same opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I mean, he was right and I was right, but one of us needed to be wrong. And yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we learned, we just learned a lot of it by trial and error. Of course, I love to read. So I just read and read and educated myself till finally I found some things that might work. And so now we put all that in, we've got that two books coming out on those topics. And anyway, that's kind of how we got started. And that's how you can find us. I hope people will sign up for our weekly blog because it makes me so happy when those go out to people's emails every week. Uh, I just love that. People write me back. I know you know this, but you start to hear people's stories and they're so sacred to me. Yeah. So it's amazing that just when people, they start feeling like they're not alone and they start opening up and, and really getting down to the real feelings that were there. And that's the whole uh, part of the vision of this podcast. Cause I want people to not feel like they're by themselves and they're going through things alone. I it, love that about what you're doing. And I love the fact that you're saying the place to talk about this stuff is church. I mean, these are the topics we ought to be talking about at church. So I, I just love that. And then I also love the way you invite anybody into the conversation. Just please come talk. Let's find out what your perspective is. And then let's have enough respect to, give room to other people's perspectives. So well, I think I a, a big reason, a big roadblock that us as Christians have built ourselves to the people who do not believe like we do, or don't come to church like we do. And we, you know, in, uh, especially here in East Texas, that's culture. You go to church. And right. so, and when people don't fit into the little cookie cutter that we think is the way it's supposed to be, and they're not acting in a way we're supposed to be, we put them off to the side and we forget that, at one time, all of us were there. 
I, you know, I remember that all the time because it hadn't been that long ago for me. I mean, it's amazing when you're 60 something, like I'm 62, I think this year, although I'm not really positive about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I forget every year. It blends all together always, after a while. <laughs> yeah. I always make myself a year older than I actually am. So don't trust me if I tell you my age, but, uh, you know, I've been a Christian since I was 19. So that's what, like 50 years now is or 40, 40 years, I guess. And so, but to me, it's like yesterday, I remember yesterday when I was listening to people who are believers talk and I would think they're so weird. I don't even believe the Bible. Why would they quote the Bible to me to convince me of some point of theirs when I've already told them I don't believe that? Yeah. So uh, that's what I love about what you're doing. And, And I know you've had a background, even have had an opportunity to spend a lot of time with young people. So I... I really wanted to just say out loud on your show, my background is um, is kind of sad in a way. I, I grew up in a home where there, my parents were so loving, but my dad had issues that I didn't even know about till I was probably 50. Oh, and wow. so you, you can't, I mean, if you're a young person and you're wishing you could have great conversations with your parents and it doesn't seem possible, I want you to know there's hope. It may happen in your lifetime, and you may be just as surprised as I was when the time comes. But when I was a kid, my dad didn't know how to say, I love you. And so there was a lot about that that he felt abandoned. He'd gone through World War II, and uh, there were some ter- just some terrible stories and things that happened associated with that. And we didn't know about that growing up. All we knew is he wasn't really that emotionally available to us. And so I started seeking uh, attention from men, and I ended up uh, – I rejected God, rejected any kind of religion, but I was real interested. So I was reading all the time. I read about all these different religions. I think I did a study one time of all the religions I had studied in the past and it was over 30 books, all these books I'd read, I'd read the Quran and the, um, you know, just, you name it, I'd written, I'd read it. And so, I mean, all the, I mean, really some, some kind of fringy stuff, even probably some religions, your listeners may not have ever heard of. I was that interested in spiritual things, but I kept rejecting Christ. So anyway, what happened to me is I was looking for some kind of spiritual connection and intimacy. And I ended up in relationships with men that weren't healthy for me. I had a, I had a sense, a real needy sense of self-esteem. Like I was just looking for someone to love me and to connect at that intimate level. So anyway, in the course of all that, eventually I accepted Christ And the reason I did is because I realized after studying so many religions that the thing that set Christianity apart from other religions was God came to us. Yeah. So by the time I got to the place where I was ready to say, I need some kind of faith, some kind of spirituality, well, by then I already knew I've already messed my life up. I'm not I'm not ever going to be good enough to appeal to a God Mm -hmm. of the universe, you know, any God of any kind, whatever description, whatever religion you looked at, I, they were all suggesting all the things you need to do to get better. And I'm, I mean, here I am 60, I've been a Christian 40 years and believe me, I still would not be getting to heaven if it depended on my own merit. Mm, Right. (laughs) (laughs) My life is so much better now than it was then, but still, I mean, you know, Anyway, so that was the thing that made Christianity different. And this, in the, as I studied, I realized this religion is claiming that God Himself has come to us. 
And he's seeking us out and wants a relationship with us wherever we are and whatever condition we're in. So I accepted Jesus and asked him to forgive my sin. And then I found out I was pregnant. And so that was really quite a shock. And I was a young woman and I went ahead and I aborted the child. Now, were you you in a relationship with the person or was it kind of a... No, I knew I didn't want to. I knew I didn't want to. My perspective on marriage has really changed over the years, but at that point, I did not see my a future with him. Yeah, and so uh, that's so regrettable. It just makes me sad when I think about how I got pulled into a lifestyle, but I really pulled him in, and then never even told him about the abortion or the baby. He never even had a chance to vote. Oh wow! Or you know, come through or anything. I never gave him the chance to do that. So when I look back on that, I just feel so sad for the way that unfolded. And of course, uh, one of the, I mean, I think this was one of the things we wanted to talk about tonight. If, if I'm not, I don't want to hijack your shows. No, no, absolutely. No, you go right ahead. No, no, I, I, you, you got my attention with some of the, the little nuggets you gave me and that's exactly what I wanted. So you go right ahead. Don't hold nothing well, back. You, you know, you when I saw that the name of your show was Faith and Failures, I went, well, I can really, I can press in on the failures. I have, I am a woman of tremendous faith, but the people are always trying to give me more credit. Like they think I'm so spiritual. <laughs> I just laugh because um, really I'm not spiritual as much as I am. I know what I've been forgiven for. Yeah. And so I, I really love my savior. Like I'm so grateful for the forgiveness and the grace and all the mercy and the love that is poured out on me all the time. I'm very aware of that daily, all these years later, still 40 years later, probably even more now today than ever. I see God at work in my life. I'm not, I'm not embarrassed or in any way confused about what is happening in my life. I know God is at work and I can see it just clear as day. But you know, the first, the first, couple of years that wasn't true and so way back then when I was just a young woman I had the abortion I never told the father of that child it just breaks my heart to think about that and then um and then I didn't tell anyone for like seven years like I forget six the the typical thing is when a woman has had an abortion it takes uh about six to, to eight years for her to be able to even tell anyone that she has this great burden of grief and pain and, you know, shame all bundled up in her heart. And she hadn't told anybody about it. So there, there's a, I don't know how much of this you want to get into, but there's a thing called post abortion syndrome Mm -hmm. and it's similar to PTSD in that there are really specific symptoms that go with that. So, uh, I don't even know which direction to go in telling my story. I don't want to burden the story, burden your show with so much information. But, um, but because of, so what happened in my life was just to kind of wrap this part up. I had been carrying that around. Well, in the meantime, I quit dating and kind of got my life in order and, and began to give myself more credit so that I would know that I could develop relationships and that they didn't have to be, I didn't have to fall back on the neediness that had kind of driven my relationships before that point. Did you hold back from having relationships because you had that burden on on your mind? Yes. I made a decision not to date because I knew I needed to quit dating. I was afraid I would repeat my mistake. No. 
So I, I, that worked really well for me. It might not be the answer for everyone, but if you're, if you're, if anybody's listening, I always call my listening friends. If your listening friends have anything in their life that is closely related to this, I just want them to know they can contact me through my website very easily. And I, personally answer and respond to all the emails that come to me at least for now i mean maybe someday i won't be able to do that but for sure right now i can so if anybody sends me any information personal like that it's so confidential there will be no one else that will see it and also know that she is not going to air out your laundry no that you can confide in her and that you do not have to either you're in about to make a decision or you are in the middle of making it, or you already made it, and you're beating yourself up, and you're feeling alone, and you don't know what to do or who to turn to, this lady right here is giving you an olive branch that you can reach out to her and talk to her because you are not alone. And whatever phase you are going through right now, do not be tricked by the enemy to think that you are by yourself. You are not. Yeah, I love that. In fact, one of my favorite quotes on our podcast was, Sandy Bristow came on to talk about how she had been, uh, she escaped assault by a man that was planning to, uh, no telling what do to her, but she escaped it. But she said this on air. She goes, isolation is where Satan takes you before he goes in for the kill. Yep. And I love that quote. I quote it all the time. And, and that's so true, Stephen, when we think we're alone, and, I, and that was my big mistake. If, if I had shared that moment with my parents or anyone else, they would have helped me. Yeah. And instead, I walked through that alone. And, and I will just say, for if, you have, if you're listening and you're not a believer, you may not get this. But if you're a Christian, you'll know exactly what I mean. When I was in the process of making that decision, I could hear, I was a brand new baby believer, but I could hear the Holy Spirit whispering me, don't do this. Don't do this. Just over and over. So um, it gives me chills now when I think about it. Now his voice is so much easier for me to recognize. But at the time, I, I was like, I don't know. I just felt a little crazy because I kept hearing that in my in my inner person. Don't do this. Yeah. But anyway, and I really wish I had taken that advice. And if I had shared that with even one human being, I'm sure I would have had better choices than the one I made. Um, And so I just encourage any of your listening friends that might be thinking about how to handle a crisis of any kind, definitely don't isolate. Find someone that you think is trustworthy and share your information with them. And if if they're not trustworthy because they don't respond the way that they, they need to, You know, blow them off and find somebody else. Yep, get you a support system. Don't waste time on the ones trying to make them into the support system. Exactly. Find somebody who is trustworthy, somebody who's ahead of you on the path, because they'll get it. We have this wonderful ministry. I like to mention them as often as I can. Uh, One of my friends, we were coming out of Bethesda Health Clinic, if you know where that is, downtown Tyler. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's this amazing doctor. She's just so lovely. I, I just love her to pieces. And we, but it was a pretty new friendship. And we we're coming out of the, the clinic one day, and she goes, she was telling me how wonderful I was and how spiritual and all this stuff. And I said, oh, my gosh, I've got to just stop you right there and tell you the <laughs> truth. I, I'm not spiritual. I'm just really forgiven. And uh, I need to tell you what's in my background so you'll know I'm not just saying that to seem more perfect than ever. You know, right. I really mean I really mean it. <laughs> And I said to her, I had an abortion, and that's why I walk in so much confidence and faith now, because Jesus forgave me for that. And she goes, me too. Really? 
I'm not kidding. And then wow. she, she invited me and she said, I think God wants you to do this with me. And I was like, no, God does not want me to do that. But I knew he did. <laughs> I knew he did. It was like that voice. You know, I, I knew. I thought if, if, if she does this and I don't do it, I'm going to miss it because God is going to be in this. Yep. So together, there was a group of us that she'd already been on at work on it with some other people. And, we, and I just joined in with what they were doing. And they started this ministry called CARE. And CARE stands for Christ-Centered Abortion Recovery and Education. And so if you put Christ-Centered Abortion, you can imagine that's the only thing that's going to pop up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Christ-Centered Abortion recovery. It's about recovery. So anyway, she started that and, and she's just an amazing human and we love her so much. And she traded all that wonderful respect that she has in the community. And, and she just went with that and shared her abortion story publicly and invited me to do the same thing. Wow. And so that changed churches around here because um, when we first started, the, ch- the pastors were really skittish. You know, they didn't want us coming in and saying the wrong thing. Yeah. And then when we came at it from this point of view, if this is what I've done, this is how it felt. This is how I sh- how much shame and guilt and remorse I feel about this. And this is how Jesus forgives and and paid the price for sin and took it to the cross and restores our lives. And so we just started talking about that in that way with a great deal of compassion and mercy and, and honesty and, you know, transparency for our own choices. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, they, people just love it when we show up. And it's been it's been pretty amazing to me. I, I've really, I've just been blessed so much. So if I had not made that choice, it was so hard for me to stand up the very first time and talk about my abortion. But if I had not done that, you know what happened for me, Stephen? This is probably the exact same experience you're having. Once I started telling the truth about my own sin, my own selfish choices, the, the, cho- the choices I truly regret and wish I'd made differently. Mm-hmm. Once I started talking about that, oh my gosh, people started telling me what they were worried about. Yeah. I mean, they started sharing their stuff and, and it was, it's been amazing to me. I wouldn't trade that. It's like it opens I'm, up a floodgate and all of a sudden everybody else realizes they can share them themselves too and be open and honest with each other. They like... I mean, it's just so beautiful. The first person I shared about my abortion way back when, you know, this probably, I don't know, 25 or 30 years ago, um, maybe 35 years ago. It's been a long time. The first person I told, she started telling me about her, a big decision she had, she had made that was very painful and very selfish and that she regretted. Well, it never even crossed my mind that she wasn't perfect until that moment. I mean, we we had a nickname for her that was like Holy Mother. I mean, she was just amazing and still is, still is an amazing person. So, uh, but, but as soon as I opened up my stuff and, and shared my story, she shared hers. Well, I learned a big lesson right then. And that was when we meet people at that place where we hurt the most, it's so beautiful and sacred. Yeah. It is really honors God to say he can forgive anybody of anything. And he really wants to. He does. That's the whole reason he sent his son. (laughs) That is the exact purpose. And we, as the church, I think sometimes we get this looking down our nose attitude that, Oh, you did this. And we, and we forget about our own skeletons 
and our own stuff that we've done. And, and, and that really Jesus came for all of us, not just for the yes. ones who, who are now in church, but the ones who are not there yet. That's the purpose that he came for, the ones who are lost and need him and to know that there is someone that loves them in the depths yes. of their sins where they are now. Yes, and the messy part, the broken part. Yes. Yeah, and and not only that, I mean, for me, I didn't want to stay there. I, I needed help. I just didn't want to stay in that place. I, I was so wounded and so disappointed in myself Yeah. and so aware of my own selfish choice there. I really wanted I really wanted to make different choices. I didn't want to do that again, you know? And I really didn't know how to quit. But but fortunately for me because I'd just become a Christian, there were people all around me that were willing to help me. And so I just had to be aware of them and start you can you can't trust everybody. Right. But but you look around you, you kind of know the people that are really loving. You can begin to see which ones those are. And so it became pretty obvious to me the people that I could trust, that they weren't going to reject me even if I told them something horrible, you yeah. know. And I began to trust those people and, and ask for help and ask them, well, what what do you do? Like, how do you get better? How do you, how do you change your lifestyle? And they shared really beautiful things with me about having the mind of Christ by studying the Bible. So Looking how— how how long after your abortion did you open up and really and who was the first person that you shared it with how did, how did you get to that place to where you you felt comfortable enough to share it with somebody was it a loved one was it somebody at a church yeah. or or how yeah, how did you get there that's a, that's a really great question okay so i didn't share it with anybody and and this is an important story in my life and it it'll be in one of my books that's coming out in the fall i didn't even tell my husband and so he did not know anything about that now if you knew him and how much he wanted to be a dad, that that was really um, very, uh, you know, I was too, af- I wouldn't say it was a selfish decision, although it was, but I was so afraid to of, of everything yeah. about that. Uh, you know, I was just, I was trying to pretend like it never happened. And, and that's oftentimes what people will do when they feel very, very traumatized and wounded. Yeah. And and so many women, when we hear their stories, it turns out they're not like me. I mean, I had a lot of freedom there, and I should have made a different choice. But so many women are coerced into abortions that they have like a double double trauma because um, not only did they lose a child, which is always for a woman very traumatizing, yeah. but but they also were coerced into into that loss, you know, into the choice to abort the baby. And so the coercion becomes its own kind of trauma as well. It's a a real violent act to, uh, we were chatting the other day with the Zoom, not Zoom, but Facebook, and Uh it was interrupted right in the middle. And I just feel like some of this technology, they just, you know, it, it is, you get to the important parts when you're talking about Jesus, and it's <laughs> yeah. amazing how often it disconnects. Yeah, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you don't think there's power in 
talking about the name of Jesus Christ, just get on the internet and start talking about him and see what happens. Yeah, it'll shut down. <laughs> uh, yeah, if, if you're listening and you're kind of skeptical like these Christians, all they want to do is talk about Jesus, you try it and you see what happens. It's, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of almost, I find it kind of funny actually, because I'm like, this is almost predictable. I almost knew ahead of time that would happen. <laughs> Um, I kind of lost my place, but I know I was talking about getting uh, how to decide who to trust with something like an abortion. Okay, so that's a great question. Um, So what I did was uh, what happened for me is I married and I had two small children and then we had about a 10 year gap and we had a third child. But in that first process, when the first two little girls were babies, so they were taught like a toddler, an 18 month old and a two month old, maybe in my arms. And I, I was, I loved them so much, but, but one thing that became really clear to me is I made a big choice to make a big loss. I had a big hole in my heart where that other baby should have been. How many years was that later that you were still feeling that way? So, so yeah, that so that's like five or six years later. Hmm. So at that point, then I began to, and I had two toddlers, which is, believe me, that's hard work too. And I was a stay-at-home mom. So I began to really kind of start to lose it. Like I just didn't have the emotional patience that I would be normal for me yeah. or the, or the joy, or, you know, and maybe I was having postpartum that could have really complicated things. I don't know. But for me, I just knew I'd, I wasn't myself. I was losing it. And, and, and so now was your husband picking up on this or was this something you were dealing with kind of quietly well, in your head? I, I think it was kind of masked because what mom with two toddlers wouldn't be a little crazy, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, cause you have kids, you know what it's like. Yeah. I mean, I, I had my grandkids yesterday here and I was just like, okay, the, this is such hard work. I don't know how these young people do it every Time day. Time to go home, <laughs> go to your parents. Yeah. yeah I was like, mom, um, Super, they call me Supergram and Poppy. So Supergram and Poppy were very tired last night, <laughs> but, uh, but they're so cute. I mean, we just loved every minute of it. But it was it's pretty hilarious when we send them home. We just we don't even clean up. We just lay down on the couch and fall asleep. <laughs> like finally, uh-huh, yeah, like oh, we have to have our nap now. Uh, <laughs> they, go, they fall asleep in the car on the car seat on the way home, and we fall asleep on the couch. <laughs> no, but anyway, so I, I was. So even though that was kind of masked, my pain, um, I said to my husband, I'm going to need help. I think we're going to have to pay for a psychologist, and I can't tell you why. Can you imagine having your wife say this to you? Oh, so you didn't even even Mm -hmm. tell him why. You just said you needed some Uh -uh. some sort of help. Wow. I couldn't couldn't even say the word abortion. If I said it, it felt like I was going to vomit on the spot. Literally, I'm not just kidding. Wow. Like, Yeah. And so I don't, I, I know now because I hear other people's stories all the time. There are a lot of trauma. I, I have an interview coming up with a very dear friend who is going to talk about finding out that her, her, her second husband was sexually assaulting her daughter in their home for years and she didn't know about it. Wow. So, um, so the, and, and I've, I've interviewed women that talked about being raped and I've interviewed women who were assaulted by their, there, I mean, these are all interviews that are out there on Fireside Talk Radio. Yeah. So I know there are many words that if you say them out loud, it feels like you're going to throw up. Yeah. Literally, they're so stressful. Just the weight that it carries, it just yes. it, it encompasses that word, and it's just like it, you don't even want to 
even think about the word because it grow. It's just you're disgusted by it. It's so traumatizing that um, it shuts down your brain, and and so that's how that word abortion was for me. So I couldn't even say to my husband, I had an abortion. I, I was too ashamed and mortified mm. and in so much pain, and but I wasn't I wasn't coping at home either. So I needed to do something. So fortunately, I had enough self awareness to realize I've got to get help. So I I. I went to a very lovely and I called all these people on the phone first and interviewed them before I ever went in to see her but of the people I called there was one woman who I knew would be able to help me and she was so tender and about the third I went I'd go in you know maybe once a month Mm -hmm. to keep the cost down which is not a bad system right that that gives you a little time to kind of get back Get, get your emotional legs back under you after you've had a session. Yeah. For me, that worked really well. I, I mean, different people, different needs. But for me, I needed time to process. So anyway, I went to her. And then um, one day, and she said, Kathy, where is all the shame coming from? Because we still hadn't talked about why I was there. Oh. I'd probably been to, so been you've been this two, whole time and you didn't say nothing. Yeah. Oh, wow. Two or three times I still hadn't talked to her about it, why I was there. So finally, about the second or third time I went in, she goes, Kathy, where is all the shame coming from? And and when will you be able to, to tell me? And I said, I can't tell you today, but I'll come back next time prepared to tell you. So the next time I told her and she said to me, I'll never forget this. She goes, Kathy, you have so much courage. I mean, I could cry still even thinking about it. You know, Steve and I never had anyone tell me I had courage. Wow. And if you knew my personality, I'm pretty bold. I mean, I'm, I just pretty much say what I believe, (laughs) but no one had ever thought to see that as a character trait that might be beautiful. You know, it probably just got me into tons of trouble as a kid. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Here comes that girl with courage again. (laughs) Yeah. The bold girl we wish would shut up. Yeah. I'm sure my parents were like, quit talking. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe I bet you know a little something about that. I do. I do. I, I was uh-huh. very, uh, I, I didn't meet a stranger. I was, now my brother was even worse as a kid, which is funny because now as adults, we're kind of opposite. He, he's, so he's more funny. keeping to himself. He doesn't like people. And I'm the one that's like, Hey, what's up? Talk to oh, whoever. I don't so care. so funny. Well, I used to think that precocious was a compliment. I really didn't know that it had, it was a double entendre. <laughs> to me all the time when I was a kid and I thought they were complimenting me. Oh, thanks. No. <laughs> you know, thank you. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. yeah. So I I don't want to leave this hanging. I really want to fit, I know we're we're going to run out of time before we know it and you're such a good you're so good at drawing out a story of me, but anyway, so at the at that moment I I told the sweet counselor I'll never forget how much I appreciate her. And she called, told me I was courageous, and that, and then I invited Dave to come the next week or month and and sit with me. And we sat on the couch, and I told him, and I really was afraid, Stephen. I thought he would divorce me or reject me or hate me. You know, I thought it would be so shocking that it, I might because I really love my husband, but I thought I might become repulsive to him. Yeah. And so instead, he wrapped his arms around me and said, I'll never forget the words he said. He goes, I'm so sorry that you had to live through that. Wow. Yeah. And then, or that you had to experience that, I think was the word he used. But that compassion just set a, it set a tone for the rest of our marriage. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, anyway, that and so then I found another. So then I invited my parents in, and and that was tricky because. Remember, I kind of started this hour saying sometimes you want to have conversations with your parents and you can't because your family just isn't that way, right? Yeah. And you don't know your parents' stories. Like I didn't know for years what it was that made my dad – made it so difficult for him to say I love you. But anyway, um, so I invited my parents in, and rather than focus on any part of my my upbringing that could have been, um, you know, holding them accountable for parenting they missed – with me, that some of the things they might should have done differently. I just invited them into to my counselor. We talked about all this beforehand, and I told her I just want to give them the information that uh, they've lost a grandchild, and that way they'll know that I view this abortion as not just a birth control or some kind of thing that a lot of a lot of our culture has a real diverse viewpoint on abortion. But I wanted them to know that I felt the loss as a child that it was no longer in my life and that, that I felt I, I needed to ask them to forgive me because I didn't bring, I didn't bring it to them. And consequently I made a choice that deprived them of one of their grandchildren. Yeah. Of course, by then they had those two other beautiful granddaughters. So they, I think they really felt the weight of that as well. Yeah. But I do think that was the right choice I made. My, my, every family's different, but by, just being very factual with them about how I felt about it and what it meant to me and that I needed to ask them to forgive me, that set a real different tone for the future for our relationship. If I had handled that any other different way, I probably would have damaged the relationship I ended up having with them, which uh, they both became Christians later on. And um, so there was a lot of real happy stuff that came out of that. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, well, I, awesome. I just throw that out there in case somebody's listening and could use that bit of information. I feel like I've talked way too much. No, no, I know no. You, so you have whether they're younger or older. What what would be a one thing of advice that would help them to be brave to talk to their parents about this? Which I know it's not a one size fits all, but uh, what could you say to them to encourage them that if they have a relationship with their parents, you know, because some people don't. But if right. they if they do, um, what are some things or or something that they can be like? Okay, I see this in that person that you saw in someone else that I know I can confide in them. What are something that will help them to be able to see that in other people for themselves? Well, I I really love the fact that you have some youth uh, youth minister background, so I think you'll appreciate what I'm going to say here. If you don't have a church home, and and one thing that happens that we know from care from all the confidential groups that that have been done over the years with that group now, a lot of times people who've had abortion feel like if they go to church and talk to anybody there, the church will find out and will kick them out. And that's definitely not true. Absolutely. But, but you'd be surprised. Every Bible study that we do, that, that would come up. Now, I hadn't done any lately, so I don't know about most recently, but for sure, for the first few years, every time that 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 was just a common theme. Every time there was a Bible study, somebody in the Bible study would say, well, I can't tell my church because they'll kick me out. And so we, it's been one of the big blessings from my point of view is we've been able to reassure people and say, no, we have this long history in East Texas. Now we know for sure that is not going to happen. If it does, we will, we will take it up with your pastor because that's just not, that's just not the best way to handle this. If that's the heart of your church, you need to go somewhere else. (laughs) Exactly. I'm just just being blunt. (laughs) 
Exactly. So, um, right. I mean, to me, if if you did have that, ex- first of all, you're not going to have that experience. But if you did, you would really be probably better off to go somewhere else than stay there. So, um, so they might be doing you a favor by kicking you out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> really. Hey. I mean, I, just to be blunt. So, uh, anyway, that. That's one thing that I would say first is if you don't have a church home, if you're not even sure you like Christians, it's okay. I mean, that's fine. That Jesus came seeking out people in their mess. And so the person that you find in church ought to know that. Yeah. <laughs> and and so keep looking till you find the person who does. But also the other way that I knew there were certain people I could trust is uh, by that time I I had, had developed some friendships with women who were really, really beautiful hearted people. And I could see that they didn't, they weren't trying to be perfect all the time. You know, they were, uh, so that's one thing I always look for. Like, I just can't be friends with perfect people because I think I'll mess up their life. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I think most of us feel that way. Like, if I find out you're not perfect, that means great. We can be friends, you know? And they make me feel uncomfortable. Like, if they're that perfect yeah. all the time, like, uh, we're not going to fit in together. <laughs> I just, I tell, actually, when I meet new people, Stephen, I say, we should know within six months if you're really going to be able to be my friend, because by then I will have really messed up. (laughs) At least you know. I mean, it's so true. I usually forget an appointment. In fact, I got an email or a message from you right before this show, and I went, oh, I bet we were supposed to do that at 6 o'clock instead of 7. So that's, that's just my life. I don't do well with numbers. I don't do well with schedules. So. It, within a few weeks of meeting me, people usually know that about me, and, and they find out. You should get this is, in a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, maybe I'll get you to design one for me. But anyway, <laughs> some cute line because you are very funny. Like that when I listened to your bearded cactus, that was so hilarious. I was just laughing through the whole thing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, you, and Julia. That to have a childhood friend like that is so dear. <clears throat> Yeah. It, but anyway, so I, fun. yeah, I would look at for people. And I, on that note about you and Julian being friends forever, sense of humor is a sign of intelligence. So if you see people that are not perfect and they know how to laugh at, not laugh at serious stuff, but they know how to have joy in the moment of their life, you know, that's a smart person who has a good heart. So those would be a couple of things I would look for. When they laugh, they're not making fun of other people. They're laughing about their own foibles. We all have them, you know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so if you can laugh at yourself, that's that's a person you probably can trust. Um, do you think so? What do you look for, Stephen, when you're looking for people that you know are trustworthy? Well, if we're being blunt, and since it's my podcast, I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Good. I if I hear them talk about other people, I will not confide in them. There, there you go. That's a great clue. Oh my gosh, I love that. Because if they yeah. will spill someone else's information, then they'll probably end up spilling mine. And I love that. If I'm That's trying to point. talk to them about personal things, I, I they're probably better. It's not going to work out because they're going to end up talking to somebody else. Yes. Just find somebody you can trust. I love that. That's really a good one. I'm so glad I asked you for that idea. That's, that's my main one. (laughs) I want to make that into a (laughs) t-shirt. Which, what is your t-shirt going to say? Mine's going to say, if you talk about others, we're not going to talk. Yes. I love that. I'm going to buy that t-shirt and wear it. You know what? That, that is so important. And 
I, I think that's one of my best things. My favorite things about Fireside Talk Radio is when I get people on there, they're telling their stories. I love their stories. Mm-hmm. And I, I put them on a blog. I tell their story the way they t- – I quote them in the blog, you know, and send it out with all their hyperlinks. And now their stories are being multiplied out there in the universe. It just makes me so happy. But I don't I don't tell people. Like, I don't v- invite people on the show unless they're ready to tell their story. Right. That's very like, important. I don't press them because I know what it's like to be spending those six years where I couldn't talk about it and uh, was mortified and felt like I might vomit at any minute if the word came up. So, yeah, I'm looking for people who've already walked the road and know how to get to the other side. My wife, uh, on one of the episodes, she talked about uh, dealing with anxiety Oh yeah, and she has never really told anybody about it besides me. Oh, and so she's so brave. She decided to go, and I was like, "Well, baby," and she she didn't want to. And I said, "Well, you may be you may be helping one person understand that they can talk mm-hmm. to it to that about to somebody else, and uh, just let them know that it's okay to talk about it. That there's nothing wrong with them. That they they can uh, get better and they can have hope and just talk about it, you know, get it, get it out in the open. And, and, and so she did. And, you know, there's a lot of tears. I was crying cause she's my wife. She was crying cause, oh. and so it was, it was a very emotional episode. But, uh, once she did it, she was like, I, I feel like I feel so much better cause I actually talked about it. What's her first name? I'm going to look for that episode. Uh, Jesse. Jesse Tillman. And what did you, do you remember what you titled it? Uh, Facing anxiety. I think it's what it's called. I'm definitely going to listen to that. I probably will quote her because it's on it's public public information. Yeah, go right <laughs> go right ahead. She she uh, she was very brave, and I, I was so oh. proud of her to see that she actually would would come forward and just and just take a stand and say, "Listen." And she's not through it. It's not something that she's on the other side yes. of. She's going through it right now. But there was particular uh, things that happened uh, that caused her to kind of feel like she was in the storm and a constant like over her head and and cloudy days every day and she would cry on her way to work you know things like that and she and and you know being a person that has never i've never suffered with anxiety i didn't know what to do and so being her husband i felt like i was powerless to to give her the right information or to you know help her out like what what do you say when you've never been through it all all i could do was hold her and tell her it was going to be okay that's so. exactly what I was going to just wait for you to pause long enough to say. You just wrap your arms around and hold her. So you did exactly the right thing. That's what women need, really. Yeah, uh, they, they don't need all the right answers that us men have. <laughs> they, just need, they just need us yeah. to shut up and, and stand there. <laughs> just be wrapping your arms around her is such a, that's such a big deal for a wife. Oh, my gosh. That's what I love. I long for that. When, when he's not with me, that's what I miss. Yeah. Well, um. I love it that she was that courageous, and I will tell you, I'm noticing that as a big theme among the 30-something crowd. I mean, it just keeps coming up. People ask me, when are you going to do a show on that? So I'm really happy that y'all did that. I think I'm not – I wouldn't be surprised if that one has a big impact for people to give them information that, like you said, you're not alone. This is something that is – anxiety is a really big thing right now in our culture. Um, I don't. I don't know how much time we have, Stephen. I don't want to forget to talk about this whole idea of starting family conversations. Another part of conversation is learning to talk to God. That is a convert prayer. You know, prayer sounds like such a churchy word, but really, it's just a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. 
And so when you think about it, people struggle to pray, but no wonder, like maybe you grew up in a home like mine where the conversation wasn't exactly going the way you wanted it to. And so your par- you and your parents are having to learn how to have conversations because they didn't grow up in a home where that was happening, right? Yeah. So that can be passed down for several generations and nobody knows how to have a conversation, how to have a talk, just to talk to each other. To share perspectives honestly, to share hurts honestly, and to share fears like anxiety honestly. So um, so then if you don't have that kind of conversation in your family, how are you going to know what prayer is? I right. mean, that, that just doesn't make sense, right? Exactly. It's, a, it's a, an example of later what you're going to put in practice between you and God. Exactly. If you're comfortable talking, you're going to talk like I talk all the time to God. I have uh, I have to remind myself to listen. <laughs> right. That's a big one. That's a very, that's a very very big one. It's a big part of the conversation. If you're like me and I'm a talker, I sometimes if I'm uncomfortable, I like to fill up empty space with words. Exactly. And sometimes God's just like, "Will you be quiet? I'm trying to do something here." <laughs> I'm just like, "Lord, what's, what's going on? I don't see what's happening." You know, I don't, I can't see. I can't put my hands to it. And uh, I, he's just like, just just be quiet and just keep walking. <laughs> shush. I know. I always I always thought my favorite, one of my favorite verses, and this fits me so well, is be still and know that I am God. <laughs> I knew that's what you were going to say. <laughs> uh, of course, of course. It's probably one of your favorite verses, too. Yeah. But then, you know, this COVID and 2020 and all that hit, and we had months of, you know, being isolated and being quiet and listening for God. And, and I just... I just love that moment of being able to do that, but I also know it's it's um, it, it comes at, for me at the end of forty years of seeking to have time and conversation with God. So, uh, if you're if you're if that catches you by surprise, you know isolation is not doesn't feel like a retreat. Mm-hmm. In my case, it felt I was so happy to have the retreat. It was actually just what I needed. Yeah, but I know that's not true for everyone. People have been really stressed about that, and so learning to speak with God like it's part of the regular conversation is that can be a byproduct of having better conversations in your family. So, so that's really what what I learned. Even just sharing my abortion first privately with a few friends, first with my husband and and receiving that wonderful compassion for him and then sharing that information with people that were trustworthy and having them tell me their stories. And that just began to open a whole new world for me. And then I had my friend challenge me to speak publicly about it. And because I was willing to obey God and, and really, it's not like he was bossing me around, like I had to obey him. It was more like, by then, I knew him mm-hmm. well enough to know that I didn't want to miss a chance to do that. It was going to be it was going to be a miracle. I knew that I knew that about God. Now you you had well, said something about pr- prayer and and uh, being able to have conversations. So, from anyone who's listening, whether they are a teenager or whether they are up in years, um, you sound like you have some personal attachment to knowing the lack of communication. Yes. So when when you have when you when you grow up not having good conversations in your home, it may be harder to imagine that the God of the universe who is, you know, a spirit. So that's that's it's not like having a conversation with your dad who's not listening, right? Right. 
you know, but we kind of think it might be like that. We don't know. So, but over the years of, of learning to open up these really authentic, tender conversations, starting with way back when, when I began to share about my abortion and then I began to share it publicly and then people began to share their stories with me. And I just became very convinced that conversation is the pathway to companionship and God is seeking us out. That's exactly what he's seeking us out for. So in both my books, I kind of take up this theme like we're human beings made for communication. Think of it. I mean, we get to put words in sentences and convey very abstract ideas. So that's a privilege that God designed us for. Imagine. I mean, I just get chill bumps when I think about it. So he is wanting that kind of communication with us. And there there's so many books on prayer. I just I, I wish we had a whole hour to talk about that. <laughs> uh, but I knew you you know this the name of this is Faith and Failures. And my big failure, I just wanted to share it openly because I wanted people who hear this to know whatever their failure is, faith is really just about having a companion who can deal with that failure. Yeah. And that is, that is God himself. He can deal with it. Absolutely. Nothing takes him by surprise. Exactly. He's already he's already aware of that. His arm is never too short. His ear is never you never say a prayer that falls on deaf ears. He always is available. It the thing that probably people uh well, me personally get frustrated with the most is when I pray and I don't see something is we live in a microwave world. Where we want, we want everything, you know, I want to stick it in. I want it to push the button and 30 seconds, it's done. Here we go. Meal time. And that God is a slow cooker situation. (laughs) He isn't always though, Stephen. And you know this because you're a talker like I am. I might give him 30 things in a day. (laughs) At least. And by the end of the day, if I'm paying attention, 15 of them are done. Yeah. The other 15 I might have to wait on, but that's not to say God is slow, right? Right. He just, he, preparation, because if you think about it, like we see our timeline, like in front of us, we're very good at seeing what's right there in front of us. And God sees the whole picture. So imagine, imagine everything that is involved into getting your prayer answered, this path and this path and this path, you know, intertwining. And we're, me, I'm speaking for me. I'm like, Lord, you know, I I asked you last week, and uh, <laughs> here I am again. And but, but you, sorry, go ahead. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just, I just, you know, I'm coming back to that idea that you gave earlier with your wife, where the anxiety. She essentially, I mean, you're essentially filling God's role in her life because she brings it to you like a prayer. Mm-hmm. like a conversation and what she wants and needs and what you did was wrap your arms around her and i think sometimes we forget that is god's answer sometimes to just wrap his arms around us yeah and he'll do that with a husband or with a, a dear friend like my friend that just you know was so surprising i thought i was sharing some real deep secret and then i found out she had the same background <laughs> And and she was going to talk about it in public. I was like, "Whoa, that changed everything." <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how God does that. Like that, you automatically didn't just poof all the fear and worry is gone, but then you had some no. a companion to go through it with you. Oh no! And then already experienced that it. For, he prepared that for me to walk in. All I had to do was say to him, "I don't want to do this, Lord, but I want to be with you, and you're going to be here." 
over here doing this. I know you are. This is your style. So, uh, and that's a part of faith too, is to, uh, leave it at the altar and then just go about your business and do what you've been called to do. Yes, exactly. And to, and to do it knowing you have a companion by your side who has not forgotten you. He's not abandoned you. He's not, he's not, uh, you don't have to do anything like your, my neediness doesn't have to turn to him and do cartwheels to get his attention. I can just rest in the knowledge that I am priceless to him. He finds me worthy. He loves what I'm doing and, and the way I'm obeying him in this whole thing of being an old person in social media and learning new things all the time and knowing how to, you know, even how to post a blog. I mean, that was a huge step for me. I had to have a friend show me how to do it. But he's he's with me through that whole process of providing a beautiful friend that knows how to answer those questions for me and, and really takes joy in doing it with me. So, so if you, I, if you I, are listening and you're a single person or you're in, you know, we all have relationships, be available for communication to the people you care about. Yes. Because that is so important to your, to your brothers, your sisters, your moms, your dads, your grandmas, your grandpas, yes. your, your uh, spouses, your kids, um, all, all the, we're, God, like you said earlier, God created us to communicate. He communicates to us and he expects us to muni- communicate with each other. The Bible even says to confess your sins one to another. Yeah. He is trying to help us to understand that we are all in this together and we need to talk to each other about our problems, our sufferings, our our issues, because we are not alone. And we're human. We're not little gods. We're not little demigods walking around here being perfect all the time. Exactly. We're human beings. And that is not a surprise to him. He designed us that way. And he is so beautiful in our humanness. I, I, that's my favorite thing right now. My favorite theme is God's divinity is magnified in our human, our humanity. And so uh, you said something about, um, you kind of touched on a little bit about making amends with your father, but it was like years later. What, yeah. What was that about? Well, I love this story. My dad uh, became he he was he was a doctor and he was a really great doctor, but he had this background. So he began as even when I was a small child, he began drinking in the evening. When he get home from work, he'd have a drink. Well, by the time you know twenty years of that, he had he really developed a problem. But it was just evening drinking, but still, so he was pretty much checked out. And so mm. he got sober about the time I had my first child. Well, uh, I knew because I had, I had bought the big book, right? And I knew what the 12 steps were. So I knew step number eight was make amends. So I was kind of waiting for him to do that with me. So sure enough, he took me to lunch one day and, he, and it was in, for the purpose of making amends. And he goes, well, for, you know, just let me just open this up. Tell me whatever you need to. And I said, well, dad, you know, uh, I feel like I have abandonment issues because of the way we were raised that you, you were kind of checked out emotionally. And, uh, I think that's affected me in some really negative ways. And so we talked about that and he asked me to forgive him and I did. And he goes, okay, what else? And I went, well, that was it. (laughs) (laughs) To me, that was huge. You know, yeah. I mean, he was so, so, he took so much responsibility for his part of that. Um, it wasn't all his fault. And, and by then I knew so much of the other, the rest of his story. But uh, anyway, we got, so then he, he looks at me and he goes, well, uh, I said, well, dad, um, 
we can do two things here. You can tell me that the ones that are bothering you and I can forgive you. And I'm happy to do that because obviously I've, I've already let it go. Yeah. Um, or uh, you could, you know, I don't have any more. So what do you want to do? And he takes out a list and he goes, well, I had 79 more things. Holy. <laughs> wow. That is yeah, a lot. That's that fearless uh, and thorough inventory or whatever. I forget what the phrase is, but yeah, he had, he had been very thorough. He, you, wow. you know, he, was the, he was the kind of guy you wouldn't mind having doing surgery on you because he would <laughs> dot every I and cross every T. He would. Oh so my he goodness. had 79 things, and I just started laughing. I go, well, you know, obviously if there was anything that was a big deal to me, I would have brought it today, so there's nothing left. And he, he puts it away. He folds it up. He goes, Great. Let's order dessert. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I know. But I think I think God's kind of like that. Like, you know, it's it's like who cares? If it's bothering us, we can talk about it. But um and he forgives us. But, you know, I mean, my sweet dad, by then he had he had just cha- made so many changes in our lives. Well, I mean, one example is as a young person, I asked him to say I love you to me more. And he really couldn't do it. And, but my mother started doing that more and that really helped. And so when my kids were born, I made a decision to say that to them all the time. But by the time he had been in AA for a long time, he told me one time, he said, Kathy, I wanted to say, I love you more to you. And and I I know it's been hard for you that I haven't. And I said, well, but you know, by then I'm grown up too. Like I've matured, I've changed. And I said, well, Dad, you know what? I, it really doesn't bother me anymore because when you do say it, I know it, it's hard for you. And so I give it more value. Right. And I, it, it's weightier for me. When you say I love you, I know you really mean it, and it costs you something to say. Yeah. So so he was so happy about that. And, and I didn't think about it again. Probably two more years went by. And he told me one day, and I, I treasure this. He said, you know, I share that what you said about that all the time with people that in AA, that my friends, as they come into the program, I tell them it's never too late to make a change That's right. and that you're fa- you should do it even if it's hard because your family will appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. Isn't that sweet? I love that. That's so beautiful. I know. It made me so happy that something I said to my dad really gave him freedom and that he was quoting me as a wise person. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Hey, there you go. (laughs) You've made your mark on history. Isn't that sweet, though? I love that. I hope it helps somebody indirectly. That makes me really happy to think that somebody might just try because their family might appreciate it so much. Right. So uh, on your... Your little thing you sent me you said uh, how dads factor in Proverbs thirty one with single oh, moms. Okay, so because yeah, because moms, uh, I hear stories of course from women all the time. Many of them single. Some of the people I've interviewed, I'm fixing to interview a lady soon. I can't wait. Paula Silva is going to be on my show, and and so that may be out by the time you find this if you're listening. And cool. she's going to talk about domestic violence, especially in the church. And and she's a, a pastor's wife who her husband was abusing her, and and she was a victim of domestic violence. And so wow. that's not uh, something the church wants to talk about, and yet that whole idea of pretending to be perfect means that sometimes people don't get the help they need. Absolutely. And so I cannot wait to get her interview out in the – in the stratosphere. I hope people will look for her. Her name's Paula Silva and she's just a wise, very wise woman. So she came on the show and 
one of the things that I know is true from all the different interviews I've done with single women and is that they often then have to raise their sons or daughters without a father in the home because of something that's happened, you know? Yeah. And it's just painful. And so one thing that I love about Proverbs 31 that sometimes people don't know is it's actually written is it's a, it's a son saying, this is the great advice my mother gave me. And that's in Proverbs 31, one, you find that the, the, so the audience, that proverb is not actually written to women. I mean, you'll hear it preached on, you know, mother's day, but it's actually not written to men. It's, it's written, it's advice given to, it's not written to women. It's advice that was given to a man. Hmm. So that changes everything about that verse. Yeah. And so I love that, uh, those verses that, that chapter in the Bible, because I love for single women to know God is not surprised that you have a need for wisdom for your son because he included a whole chapter here just for you. This young man who became a king spent seven verses on how to rule a kingdom, <laughs> the nation, you yeah. know, and then like 21 on how to lead your family and how to talk to your wife. So that really Proverbs 31 is how to talk to your wife, really. And and some stuff on how to rule your kingdom, too, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But anyway, so I, I love that that chapter. And whenever I think about how women grieve because they don't have a man in the home for their for their uh, children, I always want to say, OK, but but this is not taking God by surprise. And he, and he I have known so many amazing women that raise their kids and uh, pour their heart into them and 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 stayed with their children while they made some bad choices too. You know, it can happen. And that those moms have just been faithful and, and sad and grieved and then, you know, courageous and kept trusting God and kept trusting God and, and, and continued to be a companion with God and for God to be their companion. And so I love that uh, as an example of how God does not forget about any segment any person that feels abandoned, there is something in scripture for them. That's right. For each one of us. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. And so, uh, what I guess to wrap that's segment four. So, um, do you, do you have any closing thoughts or statements you want to leave with the people before you, before we close it down? Steven, you're so sweet to let me sum it up. I think for me that the greatest gift I could share with anybody is don't be afraid to own your own voice and to speak what you need to, to the people you love. And, and if you need a strategy for that, we've got two books coming out this year that'll give you lots of ways to open great conversations without hurting each other. So don't give up, hang in there and, and find the strategy that will work. And there's so many of them in the Bible. Jesus himself was a master communicator. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just wrote a book on John from John four called the well, the art of drawing out deep conversations. And that there were 40, I, I found over 40 principles or 40 strategies Jesus used in just ha- like half a chapter. <laughs> one story. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there are ways to start the conversation you're wanting to have. And, and that would be my summary statement. Have the conversation because that's how you develop real companionship. That's how you become known 
for who you really are and all your frailty and your humanness. And that's how you begin to know that God values you. He loves you and has already been seeking you for a relationship with him. So don't forget to have those conversations. They're very important. I was going to say amen like I was in church. <laughs> Thank you. I don't want to be preachy. No, I was, I, it almost like welled up out of me. I was like, amen. I almost said. <laughs> Thank you. I'm horrible. Preach it, I'm girl. Hor- I'm horrible. It, it's, you know, finishing. I always want to talk more. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I, I appreciate you coming on. And so is the summer, this 20, uh, summer of 2020 and fall of 2020, are those the accurate uh expectations first, for the first two books. books will be out they'll be circulating out there i'll be traveling with them we, we're, we've got some launch parties planned it's going to be a fun moment in the life of my family and then i've got a third book we're in process right now with my daughter we've got an agent who's going to be representing us on that one so now does she I've have a two, podcast too or is she just on yours publishers. she's got she's got a little kid she's a professional artist and she works as a teacher so yeah she's got lots she comes on my show we share it whenever she's on i just let her be the the main guest because i love interviewing her she's i've interviewed her dozens probably dozens of times and i i never run out of topics like she'll call me and she'll go mom i really want to talk about grit let's talk about true grit and find out what you know just put out a bunch of ideas out there and see what comes back to us (laughs) so yeah i mean Whenever she gets a great idea, I totally cash in on it. It's awesome. And just, be sure to check them out at Fireside Talk Radio uh, on any major podcast platform. You can like or you can download, give them a five star rating, and make sure you share it with all your friends to catch, I believe, I don't even know how many uh, podcasts you have. You got a lot more than I do. Like I have it, had, scroll had and over, scroll and scroll. We had over 2 million downloads this year, and I don't know how many podcasts we did. I have no idea. We just try to do one every week. So it's probably, we've been doing a couple of years now. I don't know how many we have, probably over 100 at least, maybe maybe more. You know, I'm terrible with numbers, Stephen. I can't remember. <laughs> the, the 2 million surprised us. We, we didn't expect that the first year, and so I was all prepared to announce, we you know, we've had a million downloads. And when I went on air that day, it was actually the first time Anna was on the show. And so my, my tech guru was in my ear and he goes, Kathy, I just did the, I just did the math. You had not 1 million, but 2 million this year. And I was like, and then, you know, and then he ran the credits and like the music and we're on air. And so, (laughs) so the first, I'm just stuttering in that episode, the first few minutes. And then this. This is what's so bad. Anna starts telling family stories, and I'm like, I'm not even listening. You have no clue what's going on? <laughs> I'm like, two million? Are you kidding me? How did that happen? And then, because uh, I'm just this little old lady. Like, they had, they had <laughs> my friends that convinced me to do this. It took her a year. My, I had this wonderful friend who's really big in social media, and she kept saying, Kathy, you've got to do this. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. People are going to love what you share and, and all the people that you bring on the show. And I was like, no, 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 I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too scary. The anxiety, you know, you have to right? tell your wife. Yeah, <laughs> tell Jessica. I really can relate. Anyway, um, and then, so Anna's telling these family stories, and I'm thinking, two million downloads. How did this happen? 
and then I, I click over and I like, Oh yeah, that's right. We're on air. And, uh, and, and she's right in the middle of the story. I haven't even been listening. I don't know what she's telling about our family's <laughs> life and her dorky mom, you know, I mean, every story, it's the first time I've had her on the show. So I didn't say ahead of time, please don't say anything about my dorkiness too much. Cause I, I just embarrass me. And, and so now I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even tell anybody that because, but at the time I was feeling so insecure. I was right. like, Oh, what am I doing? That's so funny. And it's going to be on in public, you know, but I, I figure if you can talk about something like an abortion in public, you can talk about anything. Right. So, so we are way past it. Like God has just blessed us and we're just way past any fear I had about anything being in public. So isn't that a blessing? Like you just so let that go. You just shed it. You'd let go of the sin. You let go of the fear. There's nothing that compares to it. If it, 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 there's such a freedom after you just get it out in the open, and the yeah. and the enemy has nothing to hold against you anymore. That's exactly right. You took all of his ammunition. Away from it. Yep, took all of his ammunition out of his gun. Goodbye. Yeah. It's in my rearview mirror. You know, See I'm you. just waving goodbye. Well, so, Kathy, I, mean, I just I appreciate I just, so much that you came on and talked because, like, it, it it blesses me that you even acknowledge that I exist. I, was it LinkedIn? Are is you that how kidding? we connect? Is that how we connected? LinkedIn, we right? Have, I I think it was LinkedIn, but we have a mutual friend. Somebody I know was raving about what you were doing. And really? I, so I I picked up on it and I paid attention and I thought I love what Stephen Tillman is doing because he's talking about these topics that are so hard to talk about at church. Wow. And I I mean one of our goals was to just give people podcasts so they could play it at Sunday school if they wanted to. Right. Like That's cool. you know, if if they wanted to take something about domestic violence to school, I know for sure there's at least one pot, pot I mean, not just school but to church or school, wherever. Yeah. If they wanted to do that, they could. T- There's one I know for sure because we made one at least already. Um, we've got one coming up on. I think I may have shared this when you find out that your your second husband is molesting your their stepchild. That's your daughter, you know. Um, how, how, what do you do with that? Wow. So if you if you're like me and I had an abortion and I couldn't talk about it for five years, but you could take a podcast. Share it with your best friend and say, would you listen to this with me? Yeah. And then you can find out what they really think because they'll share with you after you sh- after you've listened. You can hear what how they respond. If they're compassionate and loving, yeah. then you can tell them about your story. If they are judgmental and unkind, yeah, you don't have to tell them anything. Next. <laughs> yeah. yeah next. That's yeah. right. Don't, don't waste your time. Exactly. Find a better friend. Because you're going that's through enough. Do. You don't need that negative. Exactly. Find a better friend. Somebody that will say to you, whatever you decide to do, because you want to make a change in your life, I'm going to stand with you. And if you fall again, I'm going to still be there. That's right. That's what companionship is all about and communication. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Stephen, I just love what you're doing. I'm so thankful. I love it that God is raising up people all over the country that are talking like this. Thank you so much for being a part of that. Thank you for coming on the show. Also, it's if my you pleasure. if you are listening today, everything that we talked about, 
her book names that are going to be coming out, when they're supposed to be coming out, they will all be in the show notes. Also, her website will be cited below, so you can just click. Go sign up for her weekly blog and podcast, her newsletter that she sends out every week, so that if you need someone to talk to, that you can reach out to her. If you were touched by her story today, just shoot her an email and say that you appreciate her coming on and sharing her story. And share your story with her. She may have you on her show. Yeah, that's a great advice. Thank you for that. So thank you so much, Kathy, and I appreciate it. Well, it's it's a pleasure, and I feel honored that you would invite me. Thank you so much, Stephen. What a blessing. I just love what you're doing.